This is Layla Janti. And I'm Marcus Azati. And this is Passport Necessary, a podcast dedicated to you talking about what it was like growing up as a TCK and how it's affecting us now as adults. And today I'm very excited to get into this topic. We're going to be talking about quote unquote (laughs) non-touristy things to do in London. So I'm hoping this is a recurring uh, idea. We've both lived in a couple different cities. So things that Mm. you can do in various places. But I thought it would be cool since Marcus, you've lived in London to talk about various things that are fun to do while living in that city that wouldn't be considered touristy. Yeah. I mean, some of them might kind of cross over slightly because some of them are things that probably I did a lot when I was there. I was in London for about two years. Um, I lived in the north of London, sort of Harrow area, and then moved down to Bow later on. Um, And there were quite a few different things that we used to do on a regular basis. So, you know, like visiting places like Soho, Camden, uh, those are nice places to visit. A lot of people will end up in Shoreditch. I'm not personally a massive fan of Shoreditch, but a lot of people go there and a lot of stuff comes out of Shoreditch and gets taken to other parts of the country. um, Because if it's design is aesthetic it's considered to be kind of what they called shabby chic mm. uh, so that kind of came out of soho sorry not soho uh, shoreditch and moved around the place um the sort of things that i used to do and used to really enjoy um generally speaking one of the first things i tended to like to do was to go to the museums and galleries i did enjoy that mm-hmm. um because i did a little bit of studying into archaeology love history and i do quite like the visual arts i'm not an expert on it but i do <laughs> find it interesting and in london because the thing is, is that i think in back in the 90s it was made that a lot of galleries or national galleries and national museums would be free entry so you can just walk into them without having to pay unless there's a special exhibition or something like that going on and that's so great because especially when you're traveling overseas sometimes you are spending a lot of money just mm-hmm. going out renting a hotel whatever it may be so sometimes like going somewhere and walking around for free and still being entertained. What a boon. Yes. Like that's awesome. It's, it's, it's brilliant. And certainly things like the British museum, because of the Imperial past, there is a lot of stuff in there that does come from all over the world. And there is a lot of English British stuff in there as well, which is really interesting, very important, um, artifacts. So for the, Mm -hmm. The, I suppose the British generally, there was a very important Saxon burial that was found and it's from around the 600s AD. Mm-hmm. And it's just somewhere in between when the Saxons in England were becoming um, Christianized. So this is all the original stuff that they found in there. A lot of it is in the British Museum. So you can see the sword, you can see the helmet, and you can see the shields and the instruments that the guy had and the jewellery. And they've made reconstructions of them as well. So you can see what they would have looked like at the time when they were buried and what they look like now. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's in the British Museum and you can go and see it. And it was probably one of the most important finds for Anglo-Saxon history in England, maybe ever, just in simply in terms of the wealth of stuff that was there the artifacts are probably some of them might have come as far away as you know the mediterranean mm-hmm. um it also shows the crossover between the kind of saxon mythology and the christian uh religion as well mm-hmm. so you have images of dragons and wolves and all that sort of stuff on the armor and the shields but you also have crosses engraved into spoons that were found there as well Oh neat. And so and that's in the british museum and you can see it for free 
So there's the British Museum, and then what was the what's the one that's in Trafalgar Square? The National Gallery. That's the National, the National Gallery. National Portrait Gallery, which is close by. National Gallery has a lot of stuff in there as well. I mean, I think they have. Who do they have in there? They have I'm sure a bunch of really famous artists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they definitely do. Uh, they have stuff by artists from all over the world. Uh, they have they have stuff by Turner. They have stuff by Van Dyke. Is it Van Dyke? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think there are a couple of Holbeins in there. Um, a lot of French Impressionist stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they did have an exhibition from of Titian's work at one point when I was in London as well. I, I like Titian. I was free to get in. Yes. I like Titian. I really do. I know some people are yeah. like, they don't like the way that he draw, like draws women, but I think it's mm. fascinating the way he makes the skin look very real. And like the, yes. the women, according to like our modern view of beauty, they don't like they wouldn't fall into what a modern person would consider like beautiful yeah. but for the time period they were gorgeous and they're so yeah. pretty like i really really like the way he he also models like the way he would pose his models was a way that had movement in it i i just like yeah. his work i think it's really beautiful um are there any other like museums or galleries that you really got into while you were living there i mean the other one is a tate modern that's a really, really big one um, because that's got a lot of stuff in there. So they've got some very good stuff by Rothko. They've got uh, Francis Bacon. They've got, goodness me, there's so much stuff. It's difficult to rattle off all the names because it's just full of stuff. <laughs> and it's across several floors. It's in an old, uh, I think it was an old factory at one point. That they converted. Oh, cool. And they've also built an extension onto it and stuff like that. It's interesting because they've got the Tate Modern, which is opposite St. Paul's. So basically you've got St. Paul's Cathedral, which is a uh, 17th century building. Mm -hmm. And it faces directly across the Millennium Bridge to um, to the Tate Modern. And oh, that's you so cross cool. over this bridge and stuff, which is an interesting thing. I think as far as I remember, the problem was that they built the bridge and then because the, it was designed as a footbridge, mm -hmm. they built it. And it's a suspension bridge of a sort. And the problem is they realized that they hadn't built it correctly because oh, everyone was no. in a bit of a rush to kind of get through to the millennium and get these things done. And um, it, uh, they had to shut it for a while to fix it and get it to work properly because apparently all the people walking across it were causing trouble. So <gasps> oh I've my heard. God. So it was like it was messing up like the foundation of... It was unstable. It was un the, the bridge was unstable. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> That's so scary. I don't think anybody was hurt, but it, it, yeah. even now, I think if you walk across it, you can feel it moving. Oh, that's alarming. Uh, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, I could I could be confusing that with another bridge because it's been so long since I've been there, but somehow I have a memory of that happening. Yeah. And of course, it goes across the Thames, and the Thames, of course, is weirdly. I mean, you kind of don't think about it as being important, but as a, as a thing, it's it's nice to sit by the Thames. That's kind of like another sort of maybe. I mean, tourists can do that, but I mean, it's a kind of non-touristy thing to do, is it, you know? I used to do that. River. Yeah, I used to do that with a friend of mine when I was living in Paris a couple of times when we mm -hmm. went into the, um, like, the kind of artsy areas. Uh, if it was along the Seine, there are accesses, like, when you go to Notre Dame, there are a couple of places where you can walk down and you can walk along the Seine. And when mm. it was nice out and it was summer, there were a couple of times where we just sat along the Seine and had like picnics 
and just like yeah. I would the thing that he, I would do and it drove him crazy he thought it was so weird but I would wave at all the boats that mm. would go by and I would just be like hello hello and they were like who the <laughs> hell is this random person like just waving at me <laughs> but it was fun it was like it's a fun thing yeah. to do especially when it's nice and pretty out um so you did mention Soho and I guess for people who yeah. have never been to London what's in Soho well, it's not far from Oxford Street. Um, it basically borders on it. Um, there are some interesting historical things about her Soho, because uh, back in the 1800s, there was a huge cholera epidemic in London. And initially, people believed that disease was spread by what they called the miasma. So this is the idea that bad air causes disease, which does, isn't necessarily technically wrong. It just didn't cause this particular disease. Right. Um, so, yeah, and people were convinced that it was the miasma. And there, you can still go to this place, but there was a water pump in the center of Soho. And it was assumed, well, not assumed, well, a doctor in the area found out that a lot of the people who were getting ill were taking water from the water pump directly. Mm-hmm. And it was something to do with the correlations to people who worked in breweries nearby. Because people who worked in the breweries would often be drinking beer and mm-hmm. they wouldn't get ill. And so he assumed that the cholera was carried by the water. And I think the doctor's name was actually John Snow, if my memory is it correct. Was. That, it was John Snow. Yeah. I recently That's learned good. about that with my okay. new job. That was one thing that we went into was he's considered like one of the founders, one of the like major figures when it comes to epidemiology because yeah. of the work and how he like went about finding out who went to the yeah. pump and then where did they get this from and who yeah. met them. And so that whole passing along is kind of like the foundations of what epidemiology is. So John Snow. Yeah is not only a famous person from Game of Thrones, he's also a really cool doctor who lived in Soho and battled the cholera epidemic. And that's the thing is that so I think I don't know if the pump's still there, but I think you can still go to where it was. um, And and it's and it's famous uh, as a a piece of really important as a historical place to go. Uh, Well, I mean, not necessarily to go, but but uh, it's still there and it's in Soho. And that's where this first was discovered by uh, certainly Westerners anyway. As, as, a, as a thing, so that's what's in Soho. I mean, you also have all the other stuff. Soho's associated with, um, you've got lots of pubs and cafes and bars there, um, and it's also associated with the gay scene quite mm-hmm. a lot, or used to be. Um, so f- one of the fun stories is, that, um, if you know the band Judas Priest, the metal band from Birmingham, in, who started in the 60s, as far as I remember, moved on through the 70s and became very famous in the 80s. But in the 80s, they were wearing all these, all this leather and they were wearing studded armbands and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. the thing is that their lead singer is gay. He's still alive. And what he used to do was he used to go down to the uh, sex shops in Soho mm-hmm. and buy all this gear and then wear it on stage and nobody knew what it was they just thought it was really cool so they started wearing it so 1980s metalhead gear is actually gay fetish wear i love it if you watch the videos of him in the 1980s you go how did nobody know i no it's seriously like there are a couple times where i'll watch like hair metal bands and i'm like you Hmm. guys are straight up wearing like borderline sex toys but definitely fetish wear and people were just yeah. like oh yeah that's totally cool and like now people would be like scandalized but at the time yeah. people didn't even know what it was so they were like oh it's just cool clothes and it's like no well, yeah. <laughs> it, it is a- cool clothes but it also has other connotations <laughs> it does that's the thing is it and, and that's and it, and it came from play and it initially was coming from places in soho 
Oh, that's so and interesting. Some of those, some of those places. I don't know if the initial shops are still there, but there are a lot of shops like that in Soho still. Mm. Um, I'm not sure why, but I think it's just because of the history of it. Mm-hmm. Soho is a kind of a bit out there, and I think it has been for a very long time. Certainly, obviously, if, if Judas Priest were buying stuff there, then it's certainly since the 80s. It was <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, and it's carried on being a bit like that in certain areas. It's very vibrant, very lively. Because there's also a theatre scene in Soho. Yes, I don't know that much about it. I mean, because all, all the theatres are very close to that particular area of town. So you kind of got like Chinatown and Soho sort of border on that, and then I cannot remember the name of the street, and it's gone right on my head. Um, but there are lots of theatres along there. Mm-hmm. So you would be able to go and see things like, you know, at, at the time, I can't remember what was on when I was there, but you know, it would be like Cats or the Queen musical and uh, stuff like that was all on in that area of London. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quite dis- a few theatres. I was going to say, I distinctly remember one of the times I went to London, I met up with you. It was either in Soho or like near there. And then you were, mm. we were kind of hungry. So you were like, let's go to Chinatown. So we went to Chinatown. Oh, yeah. And personally i had like one of the best chinese meals ever i was like this is great and it's so cheap because everything else in london to me at the time it was still a student in high school is like everything's expensive you're like oh for a cheap meal we're gonna go to chinatown (laughs) and it was delicious yeah it's called the wong wong ki or wong kai depending on your pronunciation but it's i'm assuming it's still there and it's been there uh it's certainly been there since (laughs) my parents last lived in london so that's back in the 80s i think it would have been oh, wow. um, that's it's been that long that that's been there it's, it it's, was really good old. yeah it, it is mm-hmm. a good place to go i mean it's probably why it survived is because it, it, they know what they're doing uh, <laughs> because it, it's cheap and you get a, a good portion for what you're paying for which is really good yeah especially in london where it can get expensive i mean it's like any oh, yeah. capital city if you mm. aren't paying attention to it and you don't go to places that locals go to, you have a chance of paying a lot of money. You have to yes, be aware of, you know, what places are going to, you know, take advantage of you because you're a tourist and what mm-hmm. places are going to give you a fair shake. Um, so I guess yeah. an, another question I had was you brought up Camden. What is in the Camden mm-hmm. area? Camden has quite a lot of different stuff going for it. I mean, it's sort of like associated with kind of like alternative type clothing. So you like goths, punks and that sort of thing. So they've got the Camden markets and all that sort of stuff where you can buy these sorts of, you know, what I would just, you know, alternative type stuff. So there's quite a lot of different shops. So they'd be right next door to each other, selling similar stuff, but being different enough from each other in order to be able to survive, obviously. Um, I think it was also called the Camden Horse Market, which is down, or Stables Market, that's what it is my memory is coming back, um, which has a lot of stuff inside it. So you wander around what I'm assuming used to be the stables and you could, they've got like food outlets, they've got clothing, they've got jewelry, they've got hat shops, whatever. It's all sorts of stuff and it's all inside and a lot of it's covered. And it is really interesting, especially if you want to go clothes shopping, because there are some places where you can actually get some stuff secondhand and it's in decent condition. So you Mm. can do that. And there is another interesting place i it might only be of interest to very few people but there is a place called cecil sharp house what that is it's a it's there was a man called cecil sharp who was very keen on collecting traditional songs Mm -hmm. and there is a library with a lot of the recordings and the transcripts of recordings in that house and you can actually and i don't know if it's completely open to the public or whether you have to have uh, permission to go in but you can access it and have a look at some of these old songs that were recorded i think at the beginning of the 20th century or uh, around that time if my memory is correct and you can find 
interesting old songs and songs that people still sing and that sort of stuff that might have had a slightly different form at the time and all that sort of stuff. And that's interesting. I don't know how well it's doing with the pandemic going on, but I have seen a concert there once and it was very good. Um, and it's well known amongst what they call the folk community in Britain. Mm-hmm. That uh, sounds really famous. cool. Mm. And then he's in Camden. I can't remember how far it is from the station. I think it's maybe 10, 15 minute walk. It's not too far. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I know that one of the things I did was it could be considered touristy, but I know that locals go to it too, is I got very lucky when I was in London and I did line up for it, but I went to go see Shakespeare at the Globe. That was uh, super cool. Yeah. I waited in line. I was like one of the first couple of people who got in. So I was able to stand with my elbows the on the stage. Yeah. I yeah, was yeah. one of the groundlings and it was awesome it was so cool and i got to see richard the third which was my Uh, first ever history play like i hadn't even read a history play at that point i was really into the comedies and i had read one or two tragedies um and i finally got to see a history and it was richard the third and i remember the whole time watching it and i was totally blown away like every bit of it was so interesting the music that they added to it um and because i'm my elbows were on the stage. There were one or two times where like, like a skirt would fly and it almost got me. And I was yeah. just like, this is the best experience. Like this is close to yeah. being immersive, but also traditional theater. Oh, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slight tangent, but they had a, a sort of what they called a pop-up theater in York that did almost exactly the same thing. Um, and I tended to go into the groundlings cause it's a lot more fun. Yeah. It's right way better. Stage. It's a really good experience. And, it was it god it feels like a lifetime ago with all everything that's going on it's 2019 so <laughs> went to see the tempest mm-hmm. and i i went to it three times oh what that's uh, with different cool. people at different times but i i really enjoyed it um, yeah because it was it was just so worth it and it was it was a good performance uh, the tempest is a really good play um but then again i suppose really with if you're watching richard the third in london at what is i mean obviously the globe was theater now is it was rebuilt i think 10 15 years ago something like that but it gives you a real sort of sense of what it might have been like historically and people do go to the theater and that's a good theater yeah. to go to because especially if you're going to watch shakespeare because that's probably a lot of what it would have felt like mm-hmm. at the time they really do try and stay as close to historically accurate as possible mm. um which mm. means that you are it's almost like seeing a piece of history, which is really great. Yes. And I think one of the things that I do like about London, um, the few times that I've gone to visit, is that the arts feel very accessible. This could be hmm. coming from a person who who didn't live in London, but there definitely was the sense of you can go see theater. Yeah, you're going to pay for it, but it's it's not inordinately expensive. Like for 20, 20 to 50 pounds, you could go see a show, depending mm-hmm. on like... Yeah what type of show you were seeing if it was something that in the states we would consider like a broadway level play like that mm-hmm. would be usually pretty expensive like there's theaters here in the states you're gonna pay 75 to 100 dollars, and that's considered right. like on the cheaper end which doesn't feel very mm. accessible whereas i feel like in london at least from the experiences i had there was a lot more accessibility when it came to theater. The fact that a lot of the national galleries and museums are free to access. Mm-hmm. You can donate yes. if you want. A lot of the theaters to go see plays 
are on the cheaper side because they do get mm-hmm. money from the government to produce work. Um, yes. And then there's also like all these smaller things that happen. I know London was a huge place to go see immersive work because they were also getting mm-hmm. financed and grants from the government. So they were able to do more non-traditional stuff that you know develop mm. theater in a different way and i'm sure music there there's a lot of ways to access and go to shows uh, even yeah. if they're not like large-scale concerts like going to someone's like what in the states we would call a basement show is definitely mm-hmm. feasible oh yeah, yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff that like that as well i mean like you know pub gigs or whatever there's that sort of stuff that goes on quite a lot uh London is is a huge city. I mean, that's I can't remember what the statistics were, but I think it's I think as far as I remember, I think it's about twelve million strong at the moment, if if memory serves. Um, so that's a it's a big city. I mean, it's the biggest city in Britain by a long, long way. Um, I can't remember the exact stats, but it's um, I'm I'm looking at it because <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. Um, it's uh, nine million, nine point three million. Okay, I don't know where the twelve million came from then. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a one point three eight increase from two thousand nineteen, I guess. Wow, <laughs> that's what okay. it says. Quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, it is it is the biggest city in Britain. Yeah, by it's long interesting. Way, so there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lo- and there's a lot of stuff to see as well. I mean, um, gig wise, I suppose really it's just finding out where you can go, and it's just basically going to these different places and just turning up at them, and somebody will tell you about oh well, there's this one over there that you can go to, which is really good. There's that place over there. So there's a lot of word of mouth stuff that would have to be done. But the thing is that that's how you find out about anything. Yeah. And with London being as big as it is, you could probably go out every night and not be bored. You would find something to do every night. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's that's always. I mean, anytime you're going to travel somewhere, especially in bigger cities, it always does help to know someone local because they're going to be mm-hmm. able to yeah. tell you like that's not worth it. Don't go do that. Like. Yeah. I went with you to a couple places in London and like, I didn't mm. go to Buckingham Palace. I didn't go to the no. eye. Like I didn't do any of those. Cause it was like, it's not as interesting as people make it out to be. You can go do something no. else. <laughs> like, no. um, it, it makes it more fun because you're getting a new part of the story and you're also kind of mm. seeing it from a person who lives there. Um, but I still, I still suggest like there are certain things especially in cities where they are getting grants or they are getting money from the government that makes it so that places of entertainment can be free, you should take advantage of that. And London also has the really cool advantage, not advantage, but it has a a great history. Like there's so much that has happened in London and there are so many tours that, uh, yeah, you're going to pay something, but you can get different types of tours of the city where you get to learn a little bit more and you get to walk around, you get to keep active, but you also get to learn about the city that you're staying in. And there's there's yeah. so much that has happened in London. There were multiple fires. Mm-hmm. There's been plagues. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like London's not boring in a histor- historical sense. No, I mean, it's even even different parts of London is interesting because you've got the area that they call the city of London, which is now all this sort of like banking sector where they've got all, quite all the skyscrapers and stuff like that. And then you have Westminster. And Westminster is where the government kind of ran things from. And London is the further away from that than you would think. You could walk it, but it's not actually as close as you think. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual seat of power is actually Westminster, which is, is now part of London. But the old city of London is actually a few miles up the Thames or miles up the Thames. And um, 
there are all sorts of strange things in there. I mean, I think St. Paul still counts as being part of the old city. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that that building itself is actually much later because it, it burnt down in 16... 1666 was the fire of London, so the original St. Paul's Cathedral burned down, mm-hmm. and they had to rebuild it. And it was a man called Christopher Wren, is a famous architect in Britain. I'm not sure if he's famous anywhere else, and he decided that he wanted to build a sort of classical style domed cathedral. Mm-hmm. And initially, he had huge trouble with it because he decided to try and build it in the shape of a Greek cross <laughs> or like a basilica, right? And Britain was not very Catholic no. at the time, so they're kind of going, "No, you can't do that." No, you can't. No. And apparently, apparently he was distraught. He was really upset because uh, it was, and it was a really lovely-looking building. Actually, you can see wooden models of it. Uh, so the new one has to have a nave, so it's got a proper nave and everything like that, and this huge dome on top. And to go inside is quite good. I can't remember whether you had to pay a fee or not. You probably do, but that it's an impressive building. That's one to go and see. And they do. One of the things you could do is to go and see Evensong. I mean, even if you're not religious, you can go and see that, and you'd be allowed to go in. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's a cheeky way of getting in. <laughs> I mean, I do have to say, one of the things about Europe, and I know there's some people who are like, oh, I don't want to go to like any sort of religious places, and I mm. get it. If you're not religious and that's something you want to avoid, I totally understand. But if you are fascinated by architect- architecture and history, mm. there are some absolutely beautiful, beautiful churches that are in Europe that yes. are worth seeing. Um, for I mean, even me, from even from a non-religious yeah. standpoint. Yes. I mean, to me, the thing is, even if you don't like religion, it would be rather like going to Japan and saying, I don't want to see the temples because I don't like religion. It's like that, that's not the reason you're going. You're going to see the buildings because the buildings themselves are fantastic. I mean, it, you, you'd be cutting out a lot of stuff that you could do. Because mm-hmm. European cities, I mean, it's the equivalent of the temples in Japan. It's the exact same sort of idea. It's just a different religion. And yeah. whether you agree with it or not or believe it or not is... is as far as I'm concerned, neither here nor there when it comes to the cathedrals and stuff like that, because that's part of, that's European culture. Yeah. Whether you like the religion or not is, is, is you know, another matter. But, we, you, you know, you can't change that past, and that's what the buildings were built for, but they are still beautiful buildings. Yeah, and you should still be respectful. Like, you're going into hmm. a place that has a lot of meaning for certain people. So even if it's not hmm. important to you and you still want to go see it, still be respectful and follow the customs that are mm. required within yeah. the space. Don't be a jerk. That's what yeah. I would say. <laughs> like yeah. try and learn the basics. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, there's so many really cool things in London that you can do that don't involve having to go to like Buckingham Palace or they, no. you can go somewhere and have a really great time and not have to deal with swarms of tourists because that's where they were all told mm. they have to go. Like, there are so many really cool things. I mean, that's certainly one of the other things that you can do is go to the parks. They're very nice. Mm-hmm. Wander around those. I mean, um, the St. James's Park, which has the large, uh, was it, is it, I suppose it counts as a lake. They call it the Serpentine. That's really nice to wander around. Mm-hmm. Especially, if if, especially if the weather's nice. If it's summer, that's a good place to go. Regent's Park is another one because uh, often they have the rose gardens there and they're very nice and they're not too filled with tourists. They do get tourists coming to see the rose garden, but they're not too bad. They are nice in the summer. St. James um, Park. That sounds familiar to me, and I don't know why. It's next door to Hyde's Park. It's not far from Buckingham Palace. Okay. Yeah, it's it's right next door. Because you've got, you've got St. James's Park, Green Park, and uh, Hyde Park. They're all quite close together. Green Park's not very interesting. It's a few trees. I was really. going to say... It's tiny. You know what? I think we walked that together. Probably. I have a feeling we did that. 
Like I have a vague memory of you and I walking around a park. <laughs> yeah. This was I also mean, like a while yeah. ago. So my memory I, is fuzzy, but it's probably eight, 10 years ago, isn't it now? Oh my gosh. Something like that. I miss London. I'm going to be honest. I had, there are some people like they really don't like capital cities or they don't like being Mm. in like very high density cities. And I completely understand, but I'm a person who like, I go to New York and I love it. Mm -hmm. I love New York city. I love London. There are certain areas of Paris I like, and there are certain areas I don't. Um, (laughs) but like I, in general, I usually really like large scale cities. I'm not crazy about Mm -hmm. LA. I think it's because it's not, pedestrian accessible you really do have to have a car to get yeah, around I've easily heard that said many a time and i don't like that i like being able mm. to use transport that's the other thing that's great with london the tube yes. it's awesome yes. like i i know that the prices have gone up same thing with new york city where the prices of the tickets go up but you cannot beat it for public transportation it is very no, I, accessible not too expensive yeah. and then you don't have to use a car yeah and the buses are not bad in london either you do have quite a lot of buses and you have the night buses as well i like the buses so, i i rode yeah. them a couple of times when i went to visit london and i liked it because not only were you like getting where you need to go but you could watch where you were going yeah. and like watch yeah. all the people outside i like that i thought it was fine yeah. i love yeah, london <laughs> yeah i miss it's it so an, much it's, it's a good city to go to definitely yeah. and i think So the thing that's cool with New York is that there is a lot to do, too. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there's certain things that are free, but a lot of stuff in New York you have to pay for. I think Mm. the thing that I like so much about London is that it feels like a surprisingly warm city. I think the couple times that I've went, I got pretty lucky where it wasn't too gloomy for the weather. But I Mm -hmm. I don't mind gloomy weather, so it wouldn't have bothered me anyway. But also when it comes to the architecture and the way the city looks it's quite warm there's a lot of brick and there's a lot of wood Mm -hmm. so it means that the city itself feels like the look of the city is quite warm whereas in new york there is a lot of cement there's a lot of buildings there's a lot of glass Mm -hmm. there's a lot of metal so it, it doesn't feel as almost homey as yeah. for some reason, every time I've been to London, I've always felt very at home. Yeah. I think the thing is, is that I'm not sure why nobody did that in London, but I think in Europe generally skyscrapers are not considered to be of that great significance. There isn't that much interest in them. Mm-hmm. You have a few in London. I mean, there's a shard now, which is very tall, but most of the tall buildings are around the city area, you know, where the banks are and that sort of thing. That's where they are. Mm-hmm. The rest of them... I mean, if you, if you look at the skyline of London, you see this area and then nothing else. There are hardly any skyscrapers anywhere else. It's just in this one area in the city. And then the rest of it, no, nah, yeah. not interested. Paris straight up said, Paris right after there was the one skyscraper that was built and all of Paris went, <laughs> that thing is awful and ugly, no more. And they literally built a height, rest- there's a height restriction law. You cannot right. build a building above a certain height in the city of Paris. So if you go to Paris outside of the city, that's where mm-hmm. all of their skyscrapers are and large buildings. But within the city of Paris, they have to remain beneath a certain level because wow. they just, they saw that building and they hated it instantly <laughs> which is a fun like a weird fun fact that's why a lot of places in paris like paris is considered like a small like height wise a smaller major city and that's why yeah they they tried the skyscraper and all the parisians went hell no <laughs> don't ever do that again 
never again. Yeah, no, they they made it. They made it happen. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can, I can. Yeah, I can relate to that. They do that in York as well. Nothing is allowed to be taller than the Minster. Oh, that's the oh, height yeah. restriction. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's such an interesting, also slightly random. <laughs> decision to make but i get it like if it's if it's something that really is important to the people of the city Mm. i think they should be able to be like you know what we want to keep it a certain height (laughs) yeah there are a few arguments kind of around that but i mean it's uh it's probably something else for another time actually to be fair yeah (laughs) (laughs) well thank you marcus for getting into some of the non-touristy things that you got into when you were living in London. Mm. Um, if you're listening and you live in London or you've been to London and there were things that you really enjoyed that you would consider non-touristy, let us know. Uh, we are on mm. Twitter. Our, uh, we are at Passport, N-E-C-E-S-S-1. Um, mm-hmm. don't know why that was what we were given, but that is the handle we've been given. So <laughs> reach out to us, Passport Necessary on Twitter. You can also leave a comment or a review. We absolutely appreciate all of those. They really do help us out because we are still a growing, budding pa- uh, podcast um, yeah. and we love doing it. It is really, really fun getting to chat mm-hmm. with Marcus <laughs> every week. <laughs> it um, is a good fun time. It is. So thank you so much for listening, y'all, and we'll see you next time. All right, see you next time. Bye. Bye.